Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and thanks for joining me today. This is episode 109, December 11th, 2018, and today we're going to talk about emergency backup power options. And in case you can't hear the background noise, uh, yeah, I hear my vehicle again today. I'm out here driving my truck and uh, on the road, and I thought I'd just take this time to uh, do a podcast since I'm... Uh, out uh, here, got a little spare time. I uh, thought it would be a perfect time to do it. It was kind of hard to get to it over the weekend, so uh, doing it now. Um, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about emergency backup power options. And uh, I just want to talk about possible options that you could have in place just in case you lose power on your homestead for an extended period of time. Uh, we see situations all the time that lead to power loss. And I just think it's an important aspect of, um, of homesteading to have a backup for that. And we'll get more into that in a minute. Let's first jump into some homestead updates. What's going on at the small town homestead? Well, um, things are really starting to rock in the uh, winter greenhouse. Even, even though the temps have been um, regularly falling into the teens at night. But it comes with a price, let me tell you. My electric bill is definitely showing the fact that I've got a heater running in there all the time. Plus, I have... Um, I have pond heaters. Uh, I have one in my pond. These are 250 watt pond heaters. I got one in the pond. I got one in the aquaponic system, and have it running. And just all that together is definitely adding to my electric bill. But I think I'm going to endure it. I'm going to tough it out. Uh, I enjoy having the uh, the greenhouse, and uh, we harvested a I harvested a lot of lettuce from it the other day. I've I've been harvesting some herbs. Uh, been getting quite a bit from the greenhouse, so I've been really enjoying the uh, working in the greenhouse. Um, I wanted to tell you about something new at the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group that we started doing, and I think it's working out pretty well. Uh, we started subgroups, and there's only a few. There's only a handful right now. I think there's like six or seven uh, by state. Uh, well, a couple of them are by a region. A couple, you know, rest of them are by a state. But I've invited folks if they want to to start subgroups. We, you know, we're tw- over twenty-one thousand people in that Facebook group, and I thought I think we got enough people in there now that we could we can try to, you know kind of come together more locally and have meetups and and just have that one you know that face-to-face uh contact maybe in some cases um and maybe be able to barter with one another locally and i want it's really hard to do that in a group of twenty-one thousand people now I, I still you know i i this hasn't 
slowed down the uh, the activity in the main group, and that's great. I don't want it to. I just want there to be an option there for anybody who wants to start a local group that we can promote in that group. And, and, and there's a whole format in there. You'll see if you go to the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group, you know, you'll see up in the announcements of it how to go about starting that and uh, connecting it with our with our main group, the Homestead Front Porch. So I thought that was a pretty good idea. I mean, I think it'll work. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would expect is we'll have a dozen or so people joining each group. And but you know what? That's 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 good connections i mean it's a dozen local friends in a sense that you can connect with on a personal level so hopefully that will be something that we can uh, we can make happen on a bigger scale um we'll just see how it goes and uh, go from there also if you're already uh looking to start your uh, seed shopping for next year um or maybe you're just set up to grow food right now maybe you have a greenhouse or an indoor grow sit- growing system and you're considering buying seeds you might want to consider buying those from uh, Mary's Heirloom Seeds. Uh, they have actually partnered with us to offer a 10% discount on purchases over $15 to our Homestead Forum members. And you can learn about more about being uh, a member of the Homestead Forum membership community just by going to thehomesteadforum.com. That's the, uh, you know, that's our uh, membership uh, for uh, this podcast and uh, Small Town Homestead. And, you know, there's a lot going on in there. I have been working hard. Part of the reason I haven't been putting out as many uh, podcast lately. Well, one's my job and there's been some other issues too, but I've been really working hard to kind of revamp that membership site and I've totally redesigned it. I've been adding a whole bunch of features. I've been working on courses like crazy in there. Uh, the forum is completely different and set up and it's all working really well and we're getting some activity going on in there and I'm really enjoying it. I think it's going to be a great, great membership. I wasn't really happy with the layout of it and and we've kind of endured it for several months and i've been just like i just don't like it that much but you know i actually uh, purchased a whole new theme uh redesigned it and and just did a whole bunch of changes to it and i'm really enjoying it and we're adding more uh discounts for the members so uh we added one a couple weeks ago i added this one with mary's heirloom seeds and uh looks like we have another one i'll probably be telling you about on the next episode so um really excited about that so if you're looking to buy your seeds uh, you don't have to be a member uh we i am an affiliate for um mary's heirloom seeds as well so if you go to smalltownhomestead.com, there's a banner on the front page there, on the home page there, that if you click on that, uh, you can support this podcast uh, just by uh, making purchases there. But if you want to be a Homestead uh, Forum member, then you, uh, you can get a 10% discount also. So I just wanted to tell you about that. I'm really excited about that and some of the things that are going on there. Um, but yeah, really just lots of, uh, you know, lots of good stuff going on online and with the membership. And also at the homestead, you know, I mean, things are really, I've been just super pleased with the production of the greenhouse. I really have been. Uh, just all kinds of things growing really, really well in there. Even, I have cherry tomatoes growing in there really well. Um, and when, you know, like I said, the, the temperatures at night have been in the teens. And in some days, it's only been getting into the 20s during the day. And uh, things are growing well in there. So uh, also the aquaponics tank, uh, I, I had, had everything else's kind of died off in there except for the mint i had some mint growing in there well i just left the thing running and and it's and there's no cover over it or anything it's just opened up to the those temperatures but because i had that heater 
that tank heater inside of it, that water is kind of lukewarm and it's circulating and that mint is growing, <laughs> believe it or not. It's actually spreading and growing in uh, temperatures down into the teens, you know. So um, I've been kind of surprised by that and it's been kind of neat to watch. And I probably should plant some other stuff in there just to see what it would do. If I had a cover over that, I have no doubts that if I'd put some kind of a, a plastic sheeting, a little cover over it, I, I think that it would probably be able to grow a lot of things because that, that water temperature is holding up and it's not freezing. Like I said, it's filling that top up and dropping it down and that constant movement of water and that temperature of that water is just right to where it's not freezing even in those low temps. Now it starts dropping down to the single digits. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll keep up with that or not, but right now it's actually flowing good and things are looking really good in it even, which is surprising. So, uh, you know, rabbits are doing well, quail are doing well. Everything seems to be going pretty well for winter and I'm not much of a winter person, but the homestead seems to be functioning pretty good right now. So hope things are going well on your homestead also. Uh, let's just jump right into our main topic today and let's talk about emergency backup power options for your homestead. First, why, why you probably need a backup power source for your homestead. Uh, for one, it's to keep essential appliances running. Uh, your freezer, your refrigerator, um, maybe a heat source. Uh, perhaps you don't have a wood stove uh, or kerosene heaters or something like that, um, and you need to keep your furnace going. Uh, so you need to have your furnace wired into a backup power source to, to keep providing heat. Um, maybe you live in the country and you have a well, and you need to keep your pump running for your well um, to keep water supply. Uh, and also just for, you know, to keep you and your family safe, to have lights, uh, again, have heat, to, uh, to, have a, uh, to have access to a few things that electricity provides, um, and safety. I mean, it can definitely uh, provide a level of safety, being able to uh, get around your house and, and do certain things. So it's just nice to have that backup power option, especially if you live in an area that's prone to power outages. Now, I will admit, where I live, we don't have a lot of power outage problems. And, uh, and in all the years that I've lived there, and we have some pretty brutal winters and stuff, but uh, I can think of in 20, I've been living in that house for, I think, for 26 years, and I can only think of two times uh, that we had a power outage longer than a couple hours. And... Um, and one of them was because, if I can remember right, one of them was because an animal, I can't remember if it was a possum or a raccoon, had got into a substation and fried something, and it put the, it put the power down for hours before they could fix it. Um, and the other time was, uh, was ice storm. And it wasn't actually the ice storm, but it was a bad accident that took down some poles, and uh, which uh, it took the town out for a few hours. Other than that, we've lost power for an hour or two here and there, and it's never been a big issue. That being said, you still want a backup power source. Now, I had a generator for, for years, never used it, and I don't have a generator anymore, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So that brings me to the really the first power source I want to talk about, and that is a 12-volt uh, DC to AC inverter. These are, uh, this is a device that you connect to the battery of your car. Uh, when your power goes out, then you can just plug extension cords into it, and then you just run those into your house, and it would supply the power for your appliances, uh, your lights, etc., and uh, that's what I have now. It's all I need. Uh, because we don't have a lot of problem with power outages and we have backup heat sources, we have kerosene heaters. We don't have a wood stove in the house. I have one in my garage, but I don't have one in the house. Um, but because uh, we have kerosene heaters for emergency uh, heat, um, we just need to keep uh, appliances running and some lights running, maybe a TV or something like that if we want to. Uh, so, and, and I have a couple inverters. I have a, a, an 800-watt inverter 
maybe it's an 850, and a, a 1500 watt inverter. Uh, and I can hook those to two different vehicles, run them, and supply all kinds of power for my house, run all kinds of things on those two things. I mean, definitely keep the freezer going, the refrigerator going, run a few lights. I mean, we can definitely run some stuff. Um, the advantages to that are it's, it's, one, it's a very affordable uh, way for, to have backup power. It's extremely simple, uh, just for another advantage. Um, it does, uh, a couple of disadvantages is it does require some time and work after the power goes out to supply their power to the home. You have to go out there, you got to pop the hood, you got to hook it up, you got to run the extension cords, you got to, you know, get them through a door or a window and keep, press that down, seal that up, get things plugged in. I mean, there's a little bit of, of work involved in getting it all going after the power goes out and say you think it might be out for an hour you may not even start messing with it for another hour or two and by the time you start messing with it you know you're already been out without power a couple hours you know another downside to that is you have to idle your vehicle if you don't idle your vehicle uh it'll run your batteries down your car very fast especially that 1500 watt inverter with some things plugged into it it'll uh, it'll flat suck the the battery dry so uh you do have to leave the cars idling um, and that's the thing. You don't have to all night. You could, uh, you could keep a uh, refrigerator and freezer going through the day. You could actually unplug them through the night and just don't open them. They'll stay cold for a few hours and then just plug them back in after, you know, six or seven hours. Plug them back in before you open them or anything like that and uh, get things going again. Um, so you wouldn't have to leave things plugged in all the time or leave the cars running constantly. Uh, but when you need the power, you will have to leave them running. Um, but that's just where boy, we went because I sold my generator because I had it for several years and never used it. I mean, I fired it up a couple times to keep it, uh, just to make sure it would run, just to make sure we had it for backup. Never used it. I mean, we just, even when the power went out a couple times when we had it, the power was out for a couple hours and I just didn't even mess with it. Um, wasn't, wasn't critical situation. So uh, uh, just a, a, an inverter. Uh, works very well to supply power for your house if you don't have a lot of needs. If you don't need it to run a furnace, like if you have a backup heat source, if you need something to run your furnace, you're going to have to go with something that's going to give you a little bit more power uh, and be uh, just be a little heavier duty. And that's where we're going to go to generators. So let's talk about some generator options. First of all, there's a, a conventional gas generator. Uh, these generators come in pretty much any size you might want. They come from those real small like Honda or Toyota uh, generators that don't make a lot of noise, but they also get, don't give you a lot of power, not much more than an inverter would probably give you. Um, but they can get as big as you really want them to get. They can get them big enough to run your entire house uh, from that generator. And you can even be wired directly through your breaker box. Uh, the advantages... Uh, is one, it's probably the most affordable option for generators because there are some other generators we're going to talk about. Um, the gas generators are, are the most affordable. The fuel is very easy to acquire. And you know what? They're generally they're easy to work on and maintain as well as acquire parts for if you need to fix them. So, I mean, they're just, they're just kind of a, a all-purpose generator that's affordable. Um, some disadvantages is one, they're, they're pretty loud. I mean, it's like running a lawnmower <laughs> in your, you know, wherever you got it sitting. Um, two, storing gasoline has some safety and some longevity issues. And I want to come back to that here later. And I want to talk about some ways you can store gasoline. But we'll, I'll, wait, I'll wait till the end here to, to talk about that. But those are the couple disadvantages. They're loud and storing gas. There is some safety concerns and some longevity uh, concerns with the stability of storing gas. Um, let's talk about diesel generators. Like larger gas units, these generators are usually large. 
Um, they can be hooked up to a breaker box to run an entire house or your entire property even. I mean, they can come in some pretty big generators. Uh, advantages, there's a lot of advantages to a diesel generator. They're generally just a little bit quieter than a gas engine. One of the reasons is because they, they turn a slower RPM, a little more power so they can turn a slower RPM. Um, they, they can run longer intervals between maintenance than a gas engine. Um, Overall, they just run longer and last longer than gas engines. They're just more durable of an engine. And the fuel is more stable than gasoline for storage. Um, it doesn't have some of the issues that gasoline has with storing it. Uh, some disadvantages are, one, they are more expensive than a gas generator. And two, even though they are quieter than a gas generator, they're still pretty dang loud. Or they can be. You can do things to make them both quieter. And again, I'll mention that here in a little bit too, but there are things you can do to make them quieter. I mean, you can muffle the exhaust more so than what they're muffled to make them quieter if you have it in a permanent fixed location. Um, moving on, another generator type, another fuel type for generator rather, are propane generators. Now, these are essentially gasoline generators that are set up to run on propane. So they have, uh, they have many of the advantages and disadvantages of gasoline generators with the main difference being that propane is more easily stored in bulk and very stable for a very long period of time. Essentially, it'll never go bad. Uh, you, you can have a gigantic propane tank. Some people even bury really large propane tanks in their backyard and have them filled up full. And you just, you have a, you, you got a source of a lot of fuel that's very stable. It really isn't gonna go bad on you. So it's a great fuel for a generator. Um, that's really the only difference between that and a gasoline generator. I mean, it's just it's just that the, the fuel difference is going to be uh, more stable and, and really able to store a lot longer. And just real easy to store a lot of it. Relatively safe, too. Um, let's talk about natural gas. You can also get uh, generators set up to run on natural gas. You can actually convert gasoline generators to, to run on uh, natural gas. And like propane, these two are again essentially gasoline generators with these generators uh, come one major advantage and one disadvantage if you have natural gas then you basically have an endless supply of constant fuel going to your generator at all times that's pretty handy you know you just tap into your your black pipe there and um, you don't have to pour any fuel in it and it just feeds your it feeds your generator constantly um, the disadvantage is that the generator will need to be in a fixed location. So you lose the, mo the mobility aspect of the unit. Well, in many cases, you have that generator wired up to the breaker box anyway. So if the generator is wired to your breaker box, then it doesn't even really matter. It, it wasn't going to be mobile anyway. But um, if you have a mobile generator and you turning it, turn it into a, a natural gas unit, you're not going to move it. Um, as a side note, though, I do want to point out that there is one major issue that I can see with using natural gas if you live in an area prone to earthquakes and then that might be the actual reason that you have uh, the main reason maybe you have uh, you experience power outages is because of earthquakes a lot of times when there's an earthquake they shut off the natural gas lines you know to prevent explosions so if your generator is hooked up to a natural gas line guess what um, you may not have power <laughs> because they might shut that off so if you live in a place that's prone to that and that's a pretty uh, common reason that you're going with without power you might want to rethink the natural gas uh, generator um, let me just talk about 
um, another option for a generator. And it's something that's kind of new on the scene. I don't know how long they've been around, but it's called an inverter generator. And inverter generators, they're kind of a recent technology. Um, and it's made possible by, you know, some kind of advanced electronic circuitry and some magnets. And the technology generally outputs AC current like most conventional generators, but the current is then converted to DC voltage and then inverted back to clean AC voltage. And that's why it gets its name. The advantage to this uh, inversion that it does is that it maintains a constant flow of current to your appliance, uh, whereas conventional generators, they kind of have a fluctuating current, um, which possibly can, I'm gonna put quotes around that, possibly can damage sensitive electronics on some appliances, especially things with microprocessors, things like video games and things like that. Um, it's been known to happen that generator surges can do damage to the microprocessors in those. I've never experienced it. I personally don't even know anybody that has experienced it. I know a lot of people that run generators. So I don't know how big of a deal this is. And there is one major disadvantage to these generators. There's obviously an advantage. It's clean AC. It's kind of what you would get from your power company. It's the same kind of current, pretty much, that would come through your outlets. Um, but the, mo the major disadvantage to these generators are they are very expensive, much more expensive than a conventional generator. So, uh, But if, if you have a lot of really sensitive electronic equipment in your house, it may be something you want to look into uh, that is getting an inverter generator. I wanted to tell you about some uh, options for getting generators or another option for even running a generator. I'll save it for last, but uh, I, my wife has an uncle and uh, I think it was about 20 years ago. He was really excited about a purchase he made and, and he got me kind of excited about it too. It was pretty neat. They live out in the country. He's an actual an electrician by trade. He's got a really big property, really big pole barn, big house, a really nice place. But he purchased a military surplus generator. I mean, it was a military generator at a surplus uh, discount store or something. He ended up getting it in an auction, like a military surplus auction, I believe. He only paid like a couple hundred dollars for this generator. And it had some issues. It, it, the engine had some issues. Uh, the engine on this thing is like a straight six Chevy motor. And he had to rebuild the motor. The rings were worn out in it. And the, but the generator part of it worked perfect. But he ended up getting this thing for like a couple hundred bucks, rebuilt the motor, so he had a couple, he did it all himself. He had a couple hundred dollars in the uh, motor itself, and he wired it all up. This thing runs his entire property. I mean, everything he's got, I mean, this thing is huge. And he's, set, he's got it sitting in his pole barn. He had to run out to Kansas City to pick it up, bring it home, rebuild the motor, hooked it all up to his breaker boxes. He's got a straight a, a, a exhaust pipe with a muffler on it going through the roof of his pole barn and with a flap on it. And he's had this thing for 20 years. I think he gets excited when the power goes out because he loves to fire this thing up and uh, run everything he's got on it. <laughs> and it's a gas engine, but, uh, you know, he bought that really cheap and just for a few hundred bucks, he's got a, an extremely heavy duty um, a generator. Now you can actually get these military uh, generators. Sometimes they're mobile on trailers, sometimes they're fixed units, sometimes they're gasoline, sometimes they're diesel. Um, and I just only bring this up because I think it could be an affordable way to, um, to maybe get a generator, a very large generator, to run your entire property. It's not something that I need where I live, but if I lived in a place uh, where I was prone to power outages, 
I would absolutely look into this. So it might be just something you want to check into. You can just Google, um, you know, like military surplus auctions and things like that, and then look for uh, look for generators. And there's a lot of them. I did it uh, as I was kind of putting some notes together for this podcast, and um, I seen a bunch. I seen a bunch for sale. So they're out there. I did want to tell you about another option for fueling a generator, and and I, I'm saving this one kind of for last because I think it is yet another option. But even though the fuel would be very inexpensive and readily available, I think there's an aspect of whether or not it would be reliable in a time of emergency. But I did want to mention it as an option, and that is a wood gasifier. So what is a wood gasifier? That is basically something that will take uh, the, the, the gases that are off-put by a wood stove, by burning wood, and make them to where they can be burnt in a engine, in an engine. Um, I think the first time I ever seen, I mean, I'd heard of them, but I think the first time I ever seen one functioning, I was watching, it's actually a show that I, it's from the BBC, it's called um, Wartime, Wartime Farm. It was from the Wartime Farm, it's kind of like the Victorian Farm, it was a BBC production, but in the Wartime Farm, they were basically duplicating a lot of the things that they did during World War II, a lot of the farms did and stuff. And in there, they had they took a car and they converted, made a gasifier for it, so this car would run on wood. And they, you know, and, and you can find this all over YouTube as well. And uh, I actually found a commercial unit that you can buy that that a place makes. Um, uh, tacticalwoodgas.com is the website, and I have a link for it in the show notes if you want to go to the show notes and check it out. But it is a wood gasifier system. That on one end you hook it to a like a wood stove you have outside, like an old barrel stove or something like that. You hook one end to that. You hook the other end to your uh, to your generator. Uh, and I'm sure there's you know a lot of connection issues and things like that. But they've got all that worked out, and you basically get that wood stove stoked and going and fire up that generator. And I don't know all the ins and outs of how well it works. But it sounds like it works pretty good. I was watching a little video on it, and things look like it ran pretty good. So I just wanted to tell you about it. If that's an option for you, if it's something you think, man, I maybe could look into that. Because, I mean, it's a fuel that you could have that's never going to run out if you have a woods or something like that. You would have access to plenty of fuel. And um, I think it's pretty cool. I just don't know how, how good it would be in an emergency. In an emergency, I want to go out there and fire that thing up and have it. Well, when you're using a gasifier, it's like, I don't know. How how consistent is that? How reliable is that? I don't know. I don't know the answers to that. But I did want to just put it out there as an option, tell you about it, and give you a, a link to a resource for that kind of thing because I thought it was kind of cool. So let's also talk about another option for uh, backup power. I mean, we've talked about inverters. We've talked about generators. Let's talk about battery backup systems. These are pretty popular uh, for people who have solar um, and things like that, but um, having a battery backup system to power your home is is another option for emergency power. And it's one I've seriously considered. Um, uh, these batteries, they can be charged by solar, uh, wind, a generator, or they can just be kept charged with, uh, with the grid power. And then when the power goes out, they can just be used until they, they run out of power. Um, there are commercial units that can be installed and wired into your home, or you can install a system yourself um, using deep cycle batteries like trolling motor batteries or golf cart batteries. And uh, probably the best information I've ever came up, uh, upon that's out there for building your own unit, uh, your own battery backup system, 
uh, can probably be found at uh, from Stephen Harris. He has a website called uh, Battery1234.com. I'll have a link in the show notes again. Battery1234.com. And he has videos. He has a couple podcasts listed there that you can listen to on how to build this battery backup system. He has listings of all the uh, Amazon links or wherever you can buy the batteries he's talking about, all the connections he's talking about, the inverters he's talking about. I mean, he talks about all this stuff. Talks about hooking up solar to them, uh, uh, generators to them, battery chargers so they can be charged, uh, which ones to buy, which ones not to buy. He's got all the information at that website. So I could never do as good a job telling you about all this as Stephen Harris has done. So go to that website. If a battery backup system is what you're interested in doing, you can't go wrong going to that website, battery1234.com, and looking at all the information he has on that. And if that's something you're considering doing, you can get set up right there. Uh, You can actually purchase a DVD from him. If I was going to build this, I I would definitely make the investment in the DVD. I don't remember how much it is. It's pretty inexpensive. And that right there could save you hundreds of dollars in building this system by having a step-by-step DVD walk you through how to build it. And the guy's been doing this a long time. He knows what he's doing. So check that out uh, for that resource. I told you that uh, here at the end we kind of circle back around and we talk about storing gasoline because that's something people worry about a lot. Okay, I got me a gas generator, but what about storing gasoline? Doesn't gasoline go bad? I mean, can you store gasoline for a long period of time? It's a a concern that people have. Matter of fact, when I I talked about this in the Facebook group and I I mentioned that I was going to do my next podcast on this, um, a couple people mentioned that. Uh, what about storing gas? How long does gas stay good? And I said I would talk about it. Um, let me first tell you about gas rotation. It's really very easy to store fuel and rotate it. Um, a, a, an easy fuel rotation system could be set up. You could store like 60 gallons of fuel, get like 12 five-gallon gas cans. That sounds like a lot, but this, hear me out how we're going to do this. You're going to get like 12 cans. You're going to set them in a row and... You're going to fill one up a month or one up every couple weeks or something like that or one up every time you go get gas and you're going to fill one up. Okay, you're going to have that initial expense of filling up 60 gallons of gas over you know a few weeks, a few months, whatever, however quick you want to get that gas stored. Maybe you spend the whole summer just filling each one up every couple weeks or something, getting spending the extra money filling each one of those cans up. Now, as soon as you get that last one filled up, now what you're going to do is The very next week when you need to get gas in your car, you're going to take the first gas can you filled up and you're going to dump that in your car. Then you're going to put the gas can in your car, you're going to go to the gas station, you're going to finish filling your gas tank up with gas, and you're going to go ahead and fill that gas can up. Guess what? It didn't cost you any more to fill that can up than what you were going to put in your car anyway because you just put that gas into your car and that's gas you wouldn't be putting in your car Instead, you're going to put it in the can, back in the can. So you're spending the same amount of money. Once you fill those cans up initially, you're spending the same amount of money to keep them full. You just got to have some discipline about every time you take go to fill your car up, you grab the next one and just rotate them, rotate them. Now, maybe you don't want to do all that. Maybe that just sounds like a big headache. You don't want to do that. Well, you can actually get additives to put in your fuel that will keep them good for a long time. Uh, PRI. Uh, it's uh, it's called PRICP123G Gasoline Treatment Fuel Stabilizer. And I'll have a link in the show notes for that. It's the best on the market. You put that in gas, and minimum, your gas will stay good for a year. You can add more and even keep it there longer. Um, it, it really does a great job of, sto- of, of keeping gas good for a long time. So it's it's very good 
stabilizer, fuel stabilizer or treatment for your gasoline. So there's a couple options for keeping gas a long period of time. Like I said, keeping 60 gallons of gas at your house is not a bad idea because not only can you use that in your generator, but you got that for your car or your pickup truck or whatever you need. And who knows? I mean, if we get in a little bit of a crisis and power's out for several days, you may need that gasoline for your car. Um, so having 60 gallons stored up in a garage, you know, it, maybe not a bad idea. Is there a, is there a, a safety issue there? Yeah, there can be. Keep it somewhere safe. Don't have it someplace where you're going to be banging into it uh, or that it's prone to, you know, be around sparks or flames or anything. Keep it in a safe spot. I mean, you have to use your brain on that and be careful. But if you're going to store gasoline, if you're storing gasoline for your lawnmower and your weed eater and all that stuff anyway, um, it really isn't no different. You're storing a lot more of it, you know. Um, I mean, five gallons of, of gas can catch your uh, your garage on fire just as easily as 60 gallons of gas can. So, uh, you know, just be very smart about it and be careful about it and use your brain. And you'll be fine if you take care of it properly. And you can get safer cans. You can use metal like jerry cans. Uh, uh, you can use those where they're a little bit less prone to being damaged, but they're also a lot more expensive to purchase. Um, there's things you can do to increase the safety aspect of that. But again, just be smart and you'll be all right. I keep around 50 to 60 gallons of gas at my house and I don't have an issue with it. And I don't even do it for a generator. I told you, I don't have a generator. We do it for backup on the cars. I mean, we have gas just in case. So, you know, we have that around just in case we need it for cars. So, I mean, it's not a big issue, but absolutely. If you had a gas generator, uh, you're going to want to do that. If you have a diesel, diesel is a lot more stable than gas. It'll actually stay good a lot longer than gasoline on its own without, but there are treatments you can even put in diesel to even prolong it. Um, again, with propane, natural gas, you don't have those worries. So those are those benefits of those systems. So hope that helps. I uh, hope this gives you some ideas on setting up for your own emergency uh, uh, backup power supply. And, um, you know, it's just something that I think is a good idea to have, even if it's as simple as an inverter or as complex as a unit that you've got wired into your house to run anytime. They, I mean, you can have them set up to where they kick on and run your whole house the minute they go out, you know. Like, you'll see the lights flicker and they come on and you don't even hardly know your power's out. I mean, I've seen systems like that and they're really, really nice. But however you decide to go, it, I think it's a good idea to have something in a backup system. Now, I didn't want to get into talking about actual providing power for your home. That's why I avoided the whole solar conversation, wind power uh, conversation. You know, there, there's a lot there that you can get into. This is about backup power systems. And, uh, and I think these are your best options. These are the options I know about. These are pretty common. And I think that these options would fit for most homesteaders. So hope that helps you and uh, that you got a little bit out of it if it's something that you uh, don't have yet and you were thinking about uh, getting something set up. I do want to tell you, again, this podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community. And you can learn more about the benefits of membership at thehomesteadforum.com. There's a lot of great discounts in there. You can get, If you use those discounts, you will get back way more than what you're paying for the membership almost immediately so go in there and take advantage of those of those discounts and i'm trying to get more and more for you every day and uh, more podcasts in there and more videos in there and more courses in there and i'm gonna tell you what i think the forum aspect of it's pretty cool as well where we can get in there and have some uh, conversation with one another and be part of one another's lives it's pretty cool uh, just wanted to remind you of that so there it is folks thanks for joining me today hope this helped and until next time happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. 
to see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.